Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. Each week, I ask my guests what they do differently that sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. In this episode, I talk with Devin Bramhall and Haley Bryant, CEO and COO, respectively, of Animals. Wait till you hear them. I'm Bruce Tolgan. Welcome to The Indispensables. Today, we have two executives from Animals, the content marketing company. Devin Bramhall is the CEO and Haley Bryant is the COO. Welcome, Devin and Haley. Thanks, Bruce. Great to be here. So excited. Thank you so much for joining uh, the show. And um, so tell us, uh, I, I'll let you uh, uh, tell your story how you want. I know, uh, uh, Devin, uh, you're a master storyteller. Um, so, uh, but tell us the story of how you got to where you are. And also tell us a little bit about animals and your mission and, and your work. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Self-proclaimed master storyteller. So yeah, I have been in content marketing at startups for most of my career. I stumbled into it and then immediately fell in love and kept going. I would say very broadly, I got here the old school way, you know, lots of grit and hard work, grabbing every opportunity that came my way drinking lots of coffee and uh, being very tired. I wouldn't say that my way was the smartest way to do things, but I do think that I exposed myself to a lot of different types of stuff uh, along the way that sort of helped me to get to where I am. So I ran a, the, the largest content marketing group in Boston. I ran TED Talks. Um, I taught storytelling, did stand-up storytelling. So, uh, you know, just really tried to get my hands on as much as possible so I could learn as much as I could about the world in which I operated. And that is how eventually I stumbled into animals. And let me just, uh, to be clear, so since 2018, you have uh, increased the scope of animals, at least the number of employees, by five times. Yes, there were 18 people when Haley and I started. We started at the same time uh, and we're now at almost 100. Yeah, amazing. So, uh, and, and, and Haley, so you came in at the same time, 2018. How did you get to, to where you are? Yeah, so I started my career right after the 2008 recession. Um, I, I started by leading teams at Apple Retail and Apple taught me a lot of what I know about uh, anticipatory customer service and leading large teams uh, yeah. to drive results that have helped us get, get here. I was at Apple at a time when people were just starting to transition, businesses were just starting to transition to Mac. So I got to meet a lot of uh, smaller company founders while working at Apple, which started to pique my interest around tech. Uh, and in 2015, I made the jump from this humongous company to a five-person productivity startup, actually one founded by the founder of Animals. And the rest is 
kind of history. Um, I've been in the tech startup world since then, was only there for a few months, but learned so much in that short period of time, uh, and then jumped into recruitment marketing um, and leading uh, customer support, customer success, and product management teams at a recruitment marketing platform called Brazen, uh, which is doing very well now that all recruiting is going online, and then ended up at Animals just a, a week after Devin with the, the background I had in operations, both people operations and customer operations prior. And was your uh, coming to animals uh, within a week of each other, was that a coincidence? Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean, there was a whole Walter. Although like, I didn't know, I can't remember if he told me that Haley was starting when, when I started, or he might've mentioned it, but Haley and I had never met before. I knew Walter from a previous job where I had worked with animals. So I hired animals when I was director of content at Help Scout. So uh, I kind of knew Walter already, but I don't like, it wasn't super coordinated. I was very surprised, like very excited one to have Devin Bramhall coming from Help Scout, a platform that I'd used before and loved and read so much content from. But I was also like very confused because our, we didn't have job descriptions. Like we were hired with titles, but no job descriptions and very quickly figured out like, we're like, she's director of marketing. I'm director of customer ops. We kind of need to do the same thing to grow the company. Um, so there was a lot of like very quick jumping into building a relationship and, uh, starting to take over the reins from Walter, like maybe even before he was ready for that. So Walter, this is like, uh, I feel like uh, Walter is- is, Right, uh, the Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah, he's the the man behind the curtain. He's the genius founder type, is that right? Yeah, so so he kind of helped animals get to product market fit, right? He uh, was a computer science major, got really bored with uh, development though, I think, and ended up getting his law degree, didn't love practicing law, so went on to found a startup, sold that startup, um, after bootstrapping it on content marketing and finding out that a lot of people needed advice on how to how to do this really well from someone who not just could talk about it theoretically, but had lived it and run experiments on it and like was very curious about it, um, which was kind of the the seed of animals. Gotcha. And so does Walter have a last name? Walter Chen, uh, yet yeah, very much the Wizard of Oz. Uh, and he is now... Um, his ultimate dream, and I think why he like why in certain ways he executed on bringing Haley and I on and developing us so so well, is because like he kind of knew that his goal was always to start a bunch of companies. Like he wants to be the guy supporting entrepreneurs. He's not necessarily the one who wants to like stay through and run the business. So I think you know, he was really willing um, to let Haley and I take over more and more because I think he realized that could help him get to his dream. So now he's the chairman of Animals and he's actually off starting other companies with other Animals uh, alum, which is pretty cool. Does that mean you guys are not just uh, a growing content marketing company, but also an incubator of talent? Yeah. Absolutely. And we always have been. And I think that's one of the founding principles that Walter kind of instilled from the very beginning, which is that like, if you can do content marketing, like content marketing is, how did he say it, Haley? Like content marketing is like the platform for like any future career. 
Right. Yeah. So, so content is the best way to become an executive, an entrepreneur, or an expert, or all of the above. Um, writing is thinking, and thinking is a path to whatever career you might want. So we really see this as a starting point, uh, although we're also starting to see that there's there's so much opportunity beyond uh, the current team stage that we're at. So having people stay for longer to innovate with us. So we can really be a home for creatives. Devin came back from a, I think like a, a trip to see another coworker. I was like, I've got it. We're going to become the home for creatives. We already are. We're going to do an even better job of it. Um, and here's how. And uh, yeah, it, it's exciting to take some of these early ideas and, and to begin to realize them now um, because we've done so much work over the last few years to build the foundation uh, to a place where we can now think a lot bigger and longer term. So so uh, I want to uh, explore something you said, which is a home for creatives. I think you said you're up to 91 people. Are most of them writers? Yeah, I think I think as of the end of June, we have 69 content managers. Um, so it, it the primary team composition is is content writers. And then the rest of our editors are primarily editors and strategists. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you guys are all about the work. You're all about the creative, uh, content. Uh, so that, that's really, that's your stock and trade is the content itself and managing content, editing content, strategizing about content to create, where to put it, how to get it there. That's exactly, yes, that is exactly it. Do you want to work at animals and share our message? That was perfect. (laughs) Uh, so one thing I want to ask is, I, I, I have a feeling that your workforce is distributed, um, and maybe it was even before the pandemic. But but uh, uh, Haley, you're you're in the D.C. area, uh, Devin, you're in Brooklyn. So is the rest of the workforce distributed, or are they concentrated somewhere? Yeah, we've always been, or sorry, we've been distributed for the majority of animals' existence. I think when Walter first founded uh, the agency. They were in New York, but very quickly he realized that all the best talent in the world are not exclusively in New York. And so expanding our horizon. So now we've got folks all over the world. And, you know, that's been, I think that was one thing that made transitioning or made getting through the pandemic a little bit easier. It was like, we already, we didn't have a learning curve there. We already knew how to do it. Yeah. And, and we really think about diversity on a global scale. Um, well, both for our, our team members in the States, but we have people in Vietnam, in Nigeria, in India, in Canada. Um, so really trying to unite perspectives across all those teams to en- enrich the content, um, the end product that our customers get. Because every every article is is touched by a content manager, an editor, a copy editor, a researcher, a strategist, at least. That's at least five people, five different perspectives from uh, you know, Hawaii to Vietnam. And I think it really improves the quality of our end product and just the the culture we're able to cultivate at the company. Yeah. So now I have all these questions. Um, is the content particularized? Uh, so is part of the reason why you're globalizing your employee population because, gosh, it helps a lot to be in Vietnam if you're trying to communicate with people in Vietnam? Or is it not that? Mm, that's really interesting. We have seen an increased demand for localized content. 
with more of our customers expanding their content efforts internationally. Um, that hasn't been the primary reason to date though. The, the, the big thing is we really evaluate every application on the merit of the application, right? The, the quality of work that they've done so far in their career and the values fit or add to animals. We haven't looked at countries when we've been going through applications and making hires. We really just look at like, who is the best person that we can hire today? And we've been lucky to find that there's a lot of talent beyond beyond the US. So really you're expanding your uh, horizons in that way or your supply, your human supply chain, as it were, um, in order to make sure you're getting the best talent. We just really are searching the globe for the very best content marketers. And as Haley said, it turns out they're everywhere. That's really interesting. And I think um, I'm guessing that in and of itself, as long as you know how to be inclusive of people who are from different backgrounds, that that diversity of backgrounds in and of itself probably drives a lot of creativity and innovation. Yeah, that's one of our values. Like brilliance is one of our core company values. And our definition of brilliance isn't like, you're a smart person with a good idea. It's like, I, I imagine it like a diamond, right? There's like many facets, many colors, like all kind of shining together to make this like beautiful, rare, unique thing. I don't believe that we can be a cutting edge content marketing agency if we are not brilliant and we don't have people from lots of different backgrounds contributing to our work. Because if you just have one type of person from one type of, like they're going to write one type of content. They're never going to be able to analyze something from multiple different angles. They're never going to see the world from any other perspective than their own. If we have all these different people influencing each other at work, it's like, oh my God, they're hopefully all of them are making all each other's brains expand um, and therefore, the quality of their work is going to be better. There's a lot of research that shows that diversity in and of itself, as long as you have an inclusive culture, uh, because diversity without inclusion, it turns out, doesn't really work. People feel like, well, what am I doing here? I'm the outsider. Then, then, then uh, they don't participate um, and they, they usually leave. But if you have inclusion uh, and you succeed at that, uh, a diverse team will outperform a non-diverse team in productivity, quality, and innovation every time, which I think is 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 pretty cool. And it's something we have to work at. P.S. Like I don't think this is something we'll ever like. A perfectly inclusive environment is not something we'll ever achieve. It's something we will always be actively working towards. Um, and I think that's important, especially. I mean, we're experiencing it this year just in sheer size making everyone feel engaged and included has been a challenge. And so um, it's something that we sort of always keep at the forefront of our priorities to make sure that we're not just saying like, okay, we implemented XYZ thing that says that we're an inclusive company. It's like, no, we're listening to the team, taking their suggestions, asking, you know, asking them for help and keep making it more of like an open dialogue and a living, breathing thing that we're always working on to make sure that, you know, we can hopefully get close to achieving it. And this is working with Devin, by the way, like always, even if we're good at something, she just doesn't stop. She is relentless about seeking out perfection and just, and knowing that we'll never get there. So it's really a continuous journey of improvement, which has been 
really incredible and inspiring to work alongside. You know, continuous improvement is a journey, right? And uh, when you declare victory, uh, you know, you might as well start preparing uh, for the end, right? Yeah, you have to see immediately. You're like, we're done here. It's like, that's when decay starts at that very moment. Yeah, I like to say either you're getting better or you're probably getting a little bit worse. You just don't note it. Whoa, I, I need to get off this podcast. I have some, I have some things to do. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, so, but I, I, I would think that um, in terms of operations, it's got to be uh, more complicated to have people distributed all over the place, especially in different time zones. Um, and in terms of leading and managing them, of course, people who have different perspectives and different ways of thinking and showing up. What obstacles have you been facing and how have you been uh, surmounting them? We're really lucky in that uh, Devin was super intentional about this last year during the pandemic, uh, knowing that people were scared and needed consistent communication, like even in uncertainty, even if we don't know what's happening, like to just share that and that we're thinking about it and we've got them and that everything's going to be okay to some extent. So I think that she helped us kind of build a more deliberate practice around communicating with the team, which has shown up in engagement surveys this year, which has been awesome. Um, but really in instilling a discipline in us through monthly company updates uh, that we do every month, we write, write things down so we can kind of reflect month over month, see progress, see growth. We do weekly team updates now. We do weekly leadership updates. Devin does office hours every Thursday. We really try to communicate in lots of different ways and really consistently. You know, I think that's how you build trust. I'm going to do something. You say you're going to do something and then you consistently do it. Um, and, and being really transparent about the areas of opportunity, right? Uh, we are on a mission of continuous improvement. So there are a lot of things that are broken or breaking, right? We are twice the size that we were a year ago. So the things that worked then do not work now. And that shouldn't be particularly surprising. Um, but, but I don't mean that in a dismissive way. We want to be transparent about that and then be clear about our priorities to fix things, knowing that everything is not going to happen at once, but we are making continuous progress. Um, I think what's been a game changer over the last few months, and I'd love your thoughts on this, Devin, has been including the team more so in the process. I think last year we were scared, like we were scared. Like there was there was just so much going on. Um, we we were, you know, we both came into our new roles in June and uh, in the middle of a of a pandemic that none of us none of us knew like how to, you know, manage that and get through that. And we, I think we, in, in that, we took a lot on ourselves and just kind of said, like, we need to figure this out. Like we need to get through this. Like that is our job to just make everything okay for everyone else. Not necessarily bringing people in as much to our process, uh, into our decision-making, just trying to like, I guess, have more control really last year. And I think this year we're focusing more on context over control. Um, so sharing, information so that everyone can kind of reach maybe not the same conclusions as us, but similar ones through analysis, and then be a part of helping us improve processes across the company so that we are more proactively prepared for being 200 people or 500, you know, uh, and to deliver a great experience to our customers and our team. Haley, we, we got into our roles in March. But we, but like, we also kind of didn't. Do you remember? Yeah. But like technically, we technically transitioned in March. We told the world in June, which is like 
still get last year is such a blur. Um, but yeah, we, I think we told, we revealed to the outside world in June, but it was technically, it was te- March was the first time that we stood up and we're like, it's on us. Like this whole pandemic, everything that happens going for it, like it's on us. We take, like, we took responsibility for it all last year. So when you came in in 2018, you did not come in as CEO and COO. No, I was the director of marketing and she was, the, and Haley was the director of customer ops. But we both like, okay, first of all, these roles, as Haley said earlier, had no job description. Also, like all these, like customers were leaving, like teammates were crying. Like it was not a beautiful situation. So like we kind of came in and both started taking over other aspects of the business immediately. We launched an engagement survey right when we started. We took over all hands. Like we were kind of, we were sort of acting as if for a few years, more and more and more. And then you decided, hey, just as a global pandemic, an epochal event uh, strikes the world, you know what? Let's take this baby over and double the size over a year. Bruce, see, like, okay, so in November or December 2019, Devin created a transition doc to perfectly execute this leadership transition. We had Walter moving onwards to uh, work more in investing and founding a new company. We had our VP of marketing transition out to start a new business. We were stepping up. Like Devin planned every day down to a T. Like it, it was, it was, it was perfect. And then the pandemic happened. You know, like just mind blowing. Completely changed all plans. Uh, but because of her preparation. We knew what needed to happen next, even if the timing had to change. Yeah. Like I remember very vividly that Slack conversation with Walter where he even stopped and asked me, he's like, I forget how he asked me, but he was like, are you sure? He basically like, I think he sort of felt like, okay, am I handing Devin and Haley a dumpster fire? Right. Like this is, um, and I was just like, I don't want to do anything else. Like, so, you know, we were originally going to execute the transition of leadership later in the year. And Haley and I just looked at each other and it was like, it needs to be us. Like, we need to lead the team through this. And Walter, as he does, like he trusted and backed us. And he was like, yes, like, so, and he really supported us through those first few months. But, you know, we knew that to gain that trust with the team. Like we had to be the, we had to be the face of the hard times too. And that was going to build something, a bond uh, that would help us lead into the future. And I think that is actually like, I think that's what happened. And, and you doubled the size of the company during the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Whoops. (laughs) I mean, a lot of that. And like, I don't want to make light of that either because you know, we, we experienced good fortune during a time when a lot of people did not, but tech ended up doing well last year. We serve the tech industry, which means we did very well last year. So, you know, we are like, we were very fortunate um, to even have the opportunity to do that, right? Yes, we did. And we are very grateful because there was a lot of businesses that really struggled. Right. And there were there were a couple of months that March to June period where we didn't really know whether or not we would hit our original forecast, let alone the, the forecast that we ended up reaching. Um, we were able to reset midway through the year. We had paused hiring. Um, we paused promotions. We really just, you know, were waiting with bated breath to 
both see what was going to happen next while like working frantically in the background to do everything we could to influence what those results would be. Yeah. And I mean, you were not alone. Everybody was on the edge of their seat. What's going to happen? You know, not to mention then there was chaos in the streets. All, a lot of the event, all of the events of last year were very challenging for us. I would say, you know, the, the stuff that happened in addition to the pandemic ended up, I was not happy about it because it was born of a bad situation, but I think it actually helped us as a company evolve and bring more really important conversations into the workplace and gave us an opportunity to like understand what the team needed around that and set up a culture where people can talk about really painful things that are going on in the world that are impacting them. Um, And, you know, speaking of inclusivity, like show people that they can talk about the world inside. There's a space for that. We welcome that. um, And we see that as a means to productivity. So let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Devin Bramhall and Haley Bryant. This is Cam Marston, host of What's Working with Cam Marston, a radio show and podcast featuring the trends shaping today's workforce, workplace, and marketplace. My guests give insights into the trends shaping their business with the hopes that something they say will spark an idea that will make each of us a little bit better at whatever it is we do. Recent guests have included a Tony Award-winning actor talking about how people in his industry create high-performing teams in a short amount of time to deliver spectacular stage performances. A national brand manager for a nearly 200-year-old whiskey company discussing their plans to attract the next generation of consumer to their product. And an educator discussing how and why boys are struggling so much in academics today. Find What's Working with Cam Marston on your favorite podcast app and consider subscribing. And now we're back with Devin Bramhall, CEO of Animals, and Haley Bryant, COO of Animals. Uh, They're the dynamic duo I'm learning. So um, I want to know how, as you've you've, uh, quintupled the size of the organization since you joined, You've doubled the size of the organization over the last year during a global pandemic. How are you remaining intentional about creating a culture? I always say cultures happen. uh, It's just a question of whether they happen by default or by design. And so how are you designing this culture as you're growing the business? One thing that helped us going into this year was we defined our company mission, uh, vision, and values. That's helped us tremendously, you know, being able to tie back everything we do to a core set of principle operating principles and beliefs uh, is one really big thing. I think too, Haley touched on this earlier, is just communication, being really, really intentional about communication. My big learning from this year was that I was taking too much of a step back, right? I was like, I'm just let the, let let the team be in the forefront, right? Well, the team really wanted to hear from me. They had no idea what I thought about anything. And so, you know, being more intentional about, um, and, and really being more transparent, like sharing, and I even do this externally, but like sharing things that I'm worried about, sharing things that I haven't figured out yet, displaying uh, authenticity and being okay with not having the answer has been a huge 
part of the intention, I guess, that we've set with the team. Kaylee, you can expand on that, I'm sure, a lot more. No, totally agree. Uh, having values in place has been a new values in place that like, we've created and not fought over, but but there were many long conversations to arrive at our current values. And that, that's been a game changer for us. So spending the time to look at one, just who is really successful on our team and why are they successful? And then what are the factors that unite the team we have? And what are the things that we want to be? Um, I remember talking to Devin about, I think a value I felt really passionately about was like play. And, and Devin felt really strongly about bravery. And hearing her talk about what bravery meant to her was one of the most memorable conversations I've had in the last three years um, and, and the importance of bravery. And, and then once we rolled out those values, things started to click into place. And, and it seems like the team's embracing them. Uh, whenever we give praise in Slack, for example, people share values. They attach our values back to that praise. And, and I think, you know, sometimes values can be kind of a, like fluffy, a thing that you say, but like you don't you don't actually realize those values. Um, I think that that kind of gets at the uh, the, the Devin Bramhall uh, a, a perfectionist desire, like to always like to say like this is what we want to be, and it's okay if we aren't that yet, but we always need to be working towards it. Um, it I just finished reading Ben Horowitz's uh, "What You Do Is Who You Are," and he talks a lot about the disconnect between values and virtues. Um, like values is what you believe, virtues is what you do. And uh, I think it's easy to say, you know, we're brave or we're infinitely curious or we, we really value teamwork and we do. But do we do that every single second of every single day? No, I, I don't think we do yet. Um, but I, I think that that gap between values and virtues is is kind of exciting. Um, it gives us something to to always be reaching for. And, and I think that we have integrity in that we always want to hold ourselves to those values, even if we don't get there. And that's kind of where Devin and I spend a lot of time giving each other feedback and the, the rest of the team feedback so we continue to work to, towards those aspirations. There's another really important thing there too around like we're always willing to go back to the drawing board on whatever things that we've decided, right? And I think that's where Haley and I really keep each other honest I would say Haley pushes me on that more than anything where it's like, you know, why are we doing this thing this way? I feel like, you know, we hurt, like she and I have never, or we try not to take things for granted. And so, you know, if we've been doing something for a while and it's not working anymore, just being able to say like, this isn't working anymore. Like this, this was a good idea. Now it's a bad idea. So let's think deeply about what we can do next? Like what's the new version of this? That's hugely important. And I think also establishes credibility with the team. Like if you can go back to your team and be like, we're doing this thing and it's not right anymore. And we're totally open to that. Or, or, or it's a bad idea to begin with. We never should have done it. Okay. Back to the drawing board. We're going to fix it. Um, they'll stay with you because you're willing to reflect. Yeah, well, I think that takes bravery. And, uh, and uh, if you're infinitely curious, uh, you're going to be questioning uh, what you're doing and uh, looking around the corner and looking for other ways of, of doing things. Is infinitely curious one of the values? Curiosity, yeah. And, and play or playfulness? Or- no, 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 that didn't make the cut, which is, which is good. Also, play is an, is an essential part of curiosity. You, you can actually incorporate that into bravery as well, because I think, you know, it can be, especially when you're trying to develop uh, and you're like in the work context, 
play can be really scary. And people don't acknowledge, like, we always think about play as fun, but if you're trying to make something or you're, you know, your butt's on the line or you feel like your butt's on the line, taking, like, being brave enough to stop and say, I think actually play is what's called for here and I don't know what the outcome's going to be from it. I don't even know if this is going to do anything. Like, that's actually really hard. No, I agree. I agree. Because Devin and I talk every Monday morning and the best Mondays are following weekends where Devin has gone off and played and then, and not thought about work at all. Right. She's been very present in the play. And then she comes back. She's like, I had an epiphany. Like there's all like, whenever there's an epiphany, I'm like something exciting is, is happening. So, so yes, I think that definitely plays into the, the infinite curiosity. So we got curious, we got bravery. What were the other values? Teamwork, brilliance, and ownership. Ownership was not one of our original values, but it's really what got Devin and I to where we are. And it's helped so many people across the company level up too in creating new roles and stepping into leadership positions uh, and really in moving the company forward. It's, it's been one of those, like it's, it's like a shadow value that's always been there um, that finally we're putting in the spotlight and saying, this is how you grow at Animals. And, and by ownership, you mean people need to own their work, own their role, own their uh, relationships, own their collaboration. Not that the, it's not an employee-owned company. No, but that's like, you know, and, it, and it, this is what, it's, it's a link back to Walter too, right? Like that, like that it, Walter is an entrepreneur, like a self-made entrepreneur. Um, you know, I've always believed that if you ask for permission, you're only going to get what people, other people decide you should have, you just like, you decide and go get it. Right. You know, it does like, that is, that is, if you could just like, if you could, if you could put one word to my entire career, ownership would be that it was just like, I didn't wait around for anything. I was just like, all right, I want this. I'm going to go get, I didn't always succeed. That feeling of like, my career is in my hands. I'm going to go get what I want. I'm going to take risks. I'm going to be scared and risk people telling me no, but like that eventually you get somewhere. Summer 2018, Devin told Walter at an offsite when he asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he was like, she was like, I want to run your, I want to run this company. Like period. Full stop. I said to him, I was like, I want your job. (laughs) That's classic. And, and, you know, it's funny because often I'll have leaders tell me, Uh, that their rising stars tell them that, you know, I want your job. And they're like, what do I do about that? And I never had in my uh, bag of tricks, well, maybe you ought to say, okay, here are the keys. (laughs) Yeah. So, so Haley, what does ownership mean to you? So growing up in Apple retail, uh, we talked a lot about servant leadership and putting leaders at the bottom of the org structure to support everyone else. And I think that one of the things that happens, and I was talking to someone during an interview a few weeks ago about this, one of the things that can happen is that ownership as a servant leader can be misconstrued as doing everything. Um, And this is something that Devin and I talk about a lot. And actually my exec coach pushes me on a lot because there's like being helpful in the moment and there's like being meta helpful, which is helping that person get better at the thing, you know, like teaching a person to fish or giving them a fish. So, so I think that ownership is what Devin said, but really making sure that it's appropriate to the level that you are either currently leading at or that you are reaching for. Because for me now, ownership is not doing everything. Like early on, we were executors. We just got a ton of stuff done and moved really quickly. 
Now we have to help other people get their best work done and be them best selves. So the ownership I take is over their success and helping them be successful, but not necessarily in doing the work, which is just, it's, it's changing. And that's something that I'm, I'm learning to become more comfortable with. I think for Devin and I both, our roles will always, always be changing. What ownership looks like will always be changing. So one of the big things I take ownership over now is my relationship with Devin and making sure she's in a headspace to continue to move the company forward. And that we're always talking about ownership across the company, who owns what KPIs, what deliverables, um, and that we're continuously resetting as we grow. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's a really important point because, you know, I always say lead from wherever you are doesn't mean pretend you're in charge. Uh, if you're not, like you guys are in charge. But, but if you're not in charge, lead from wherever you are means really know where you are, be appropriate to your context, own your role, own, as you say, your KPIs, um, execute on your role, own your role, own your part. Like if you're playing second base, you don't run out into the outfield and catch the ball. That doesn't mean you're not taking ownership. It means you're playing your part. So what about, uh, uh, what about bravery? What does bravery mean? Bravery to me is doing things even though they're hard, right? So the growth is never a product of being comfortable. I always say to people, I'm like, I've been uncomfortable for most of my career. And I think that's what's enabled me to grow at the pace that I have. So you, you know, a brave person looks at what's in front of them and they don't choose the easy path. They choose the right path, right? And the right path is usually not that easy, right? It's why we have so many like hero stories, right? Where they're like most of the book and most of the Hobbit, they're like walking around in the muck, getting like being chased, barely eating, right? Um, so I think that that's where, like, I think that's where brilliance is hiding um, as well. So it's not just about, do, okay, do the hard thing. Like that sounds so obvious and kind of boring. It's like embrace the hard thing, Re- change your relationship to the hard thing. Like maybe it doesn't have to be called the hard thing. Maybe say, like, you know, what is it that Cecilia always says to us? Like news is just news if you don't judge it, right? Like bravery is like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I know some of it isn't going to be come naturally to me, but like I'm excited to move to this next place. So like, let's, let's get in there. Some of, I'm going to feel bad some days. I'm going to feel good some days, but like, this is it. This is all of it. Yeah. I think I, I agree with you. I mean, my view is that there's nothing brave about doing something that you're not afraid of. What's brave is be afraid and do it anyway. That's what makes, that's what makes, that's why it requires bravery. Yeah. Our team every single day has to deliver creative work that they made to somebody else and have them critique it. That is their job. They have to they have to create something, believe in it enough to give to somebody else as a product that someone else has paid for and say, here, and have them read it and pass judgment on it. That is hard. I think this is great. I love values. And I think I agree with you. I think that was a brilliant call out, the difference between values and virtues. Values are aspirational, so it's kind of fun to talk about them. I, I, I guess like one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, and not to not answer your question, but I've been thinking a lot about the environment um, that it takes to allow all of these values to live within people. Um, like, what does it take for people to be brave? 
What does it take for people to be curious? And I think that those are themes we've been thinking about a lot this year. With bravery, we've talked a lot about psychological safety. At the pace we're hiring, people come in and they don't maybe feel like they can be brave yet because it's hard starting a new job and it's hard being with the best content marketers in the world and doing what Devin just said, getting your work judged every day. So how do we create the psychological safety so people can be brave? With curiosity, uh, how do we create enough space in people's days so that they have time to be curious. Um, we've been doing online co-working recently, and one of our leaders came on this morning and shared that she was going to spend the hour just learning. Like she was just going to read and focus on how she could be better for herself and for her team. And like that to me is like a great example of curiosity, but I know it's not always possible. So we've talked a lot about workload and resetting roles so that we can enable that. Um, so I, I guess like the values are very interesting to me. Uh, the big thing that I think Devin's pushing me on right now is like, what are the systems, tools, um, and processes we're using to allow those values to thrive for people? Yeah. Well, as, as a COO, uh, I think that is, uh, squarely in your, on your plate, right? Is what are the systems, uh, and practices and competencies that are going to be necessary to give people a chance to turn those values into virtues, right? Haley does the hard work. I'm like, you know, we, we sit up here, we come up with these ideas and she's like, okay, now like brass tacks, I have to make this all happen and make it harmonious. And that's, I think that's really like where the brilliance of our company lies. And that's where the teamwork is too, right? Like her job is to bring everyone together to achieve the things that like, implement our values and mission, like, you know, uh, achieve our growth goals. Like she's really there, uh, coordinating the team together, um, and creating harmony to move us forward. Uh, teams need leaders. And, uh, so you've got that in Haley. Um, Haley, uh, when do you rest? Um, <laughs> uh, so actually Devin helped me realize that some of my rest is active. So I rest my brain when I'm moving. So I, I teach uh, cycling on the side um, for fun. I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. I spend a ton of time with my six-year-old, our dog. But I, I really try uh, to always be fully wherever I am, um, to really be present in in the now as much as possible. So I know, like, I know that I'm not getting enough rest if I'm not present. So something I'm still working on, but something that Devin has actually done such a good job of of encouraging me and I think the rest of the team to do. So I'm really, really appreciative of that. I think it's important for us all to be very intentional about it after what we've collectively been through over the last year. Plus like the startup, I mean, we serve the startup industry and I think the startup industry like sort of created these norms around speed and, you know, I can't tell you the number of times that I get introduced to someone and they're like, can you talk to me tomorrow? And it's just like, why are we normalizing moving that quickly? Like why, you know, things, why do things need to happen that quickly? Now for startups, they kind of do in a certain way. So, you know, there's the reality that, you know, they're beholden to um, their own pace, but I'm really passionate about changing that and normalizing a slower pace, uh, especially when it comes to creative work, because it does take time to create really high quality in-depth work. I'm always a big fan of slowing things down. <laughs> As we are nearing the end of our time together, uh, let me ask each of you if you um, life lessons uh, 
What, what is it you tell people? So we know we're going to tell people, hey, you should be curious. Uh, you should be brilliant. You should be brave. But what's your sort of takeaway advice for people? I guess mine would be is uh, no isn't an answer. It's the start of a conversation. So negotiate everything. You won't always get what you want, but you will make it clear that you're someone uh, who isn't going to take just what's given to you. And it sort of opens up, it opens you up to more opportunity. I guess for me, um, all of the leaders who I most admire are self-led. To be self-led, you have to have self-awareness, very strong self-awareness um, and, and discipline. There are lots of different ways to practice that, but keeping people around you who will be both honest and direct with you, as well as uh, help show you the places where you aren't great. One of the reasons I love working with Devin is because she is a master storyteller. She thinks big about things. She gets excited about things. Um, she compliments a lot of my flat sides. I, I build self-awareness naturally just through seeing her work and being like, oh my God, like, I can't do that, you know? But, but also it, that, that's exciting to me to, to have that, that kind of challenge to, to work with. Yeah, like always surround yourself with people who are better than you at everything. I, I am so humbled every day by Haley, Kristen, and Nicole and everyone else on the team. I, I look at our, even our random channel in Slack. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't know nearly as much about the world as half the people who work here. So, but it's really cool when your friends, your coworkers, everyone around you is smarter than you because you're always growing. Devin Bramhall, Haley Bryant from Animals, thank you for being guests on The Indispensables. Thank you, Bruce. This was wonderful. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. Thank you for doing that. In our next episode, I'll talk with Elizabeth Eintema, president and founder of the Dance Data Project. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at goto underscore podcast. That's at goto underscore podcast. Learn more about GoToism in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, wherever books are sold. And you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com. Until next time, stay strong and stay indispensable.